So no pants. This keeps happening every few stops until the train has many, many people on it. No pants. Then somebody comes barreling through the car, selling pants. Mind games this week. This is American Life, Saturday evening at 6. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. TwoQueensCoffee.com. And from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Good morning. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. My guest this week is Brian Heinle, a member of a family that first settled here from Germany in the early 1800s. William F. Heinle founded the general store in Kaschekton Center in 1840, and it was in the family and run by the family until 2006 when it was sold. The Heinleys have always been very involved in the community, and Brian is a true example of community volunteerism. Please enjoy my conversation with a man who believes in community and service, Brian Heinle. Welcome to Catskill Character, Brian. Hello, Donna. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Let's begin by talking about your family, the Heinleys, and Keshecton Center. Have, have you ever read the history of Keshecton, Brian? I haven't, but I've lived here quite some time, so I might know a little bit about it. Well, I didn't realize that the town of Keshecton has four communities within its boundaries. The village of Keshecton, Keshecton Center, Fosterdale, and Lake Cunnington. And as I mentioned earlier, your family came over from Germany in the early 1800s. The town of Keshecton was established in 1828, and your great-great-great-grandfather, William F. Heinle, founded Heinle's General Store in 1840, and it was in your family until 2006. Did you tell me that the first general store was actually in Narrowsburg? That is correct, Donna, as far as I understand from family history, that when the Heinle brothers come over from Germany, that they first settled in Narrowsburg, opened their first, I assume it was a general store, around the location where the post office is on Main Street, Narrowsburg. They ran that until it uh, caught fire and burned down. They relocated to Kashecton Center, and they started a general store there. And ran that one until I believe it was 1920 when that caught fire. It took them a few years to rebuild. And uh, the current building that stands now is the building that they built back then in the 20s. From what I understand, until the age of seven, you and your family worked in and lived above the store. What was that like for you? Yeah, that's correct, Donna. Um, until the age of seven, I lived above the store in an apartment. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. I was always very close to both my grandmother and grandfather, who ran the store at the time. And uh, it was great just to, to go downstairs and help them and 
they would give me little odd jobs to do, such as uh, maybe dusting the shelves or stocking the shelves, um, sweeping the floors, you know, stuff like that. That's where I got so much community background from is uh, being in the store as a kid and just uh, knowing everybody in the community and everybody knowing you back. It was a real nice experience. Do you remember what the motto of the general store was, Brian? I believe it was, uh, if we don't have it, you don't need it. <laughs> That's great. You know, it, today I think we have a little, we're a little bit too much involved in, in consuming. So back in those days, people would just go, it was one stop shopping. And if it wasn't there, they didn't get it. And there's something kind of nice about that. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, you didn't have your Amazons or, uh, you know, you couldn't go to the next town over that we can get in a car and it's 10 minutes away. You know, your local store was, that was your lifeline. And uh, the general store back in the day, they sold everything from your car tires to parts for your farm equipment and plows, uh, seeds for starting your garden and plants. They had your groceries and uh, also the post office was there. Let's talk a little bit about your family being community oriented. You told me that this was instilled in you as well. And I came across your grandfather, Douglas A. Heinley's obituary. There was a man with lots of community involvement. Here's some of the things he, he was involved in, just for the listeners to know. He was chief of the Narrowsburg Fire Department, a member of the Lava Volunteer Fire Department and past chief, he was a member of Antique Trucks and Tractor Association. He was a member of the Neversink Roundout Antique Machinery Association, a charter member of the Time in the Valleys Museum in Gramsville, which is a place I've been longing to go to, and I hope I get there this summer. I, I could go on, but I have to include that he was a former owner, of course, of Heinley's General Store and director of the First National Bank of Jeffersonville, which his grandfather helped to found. I, I didn't even mention, Brian, all the volunteering he did. So when you say instilled, was it just by example or was it talked about as, you know, part of what you talked about at dinner, your parents talking to you about community service? No, I believe it was uh, set by example. I mean, it became second nature. That's just what you did. I told you, you know, growing up, being so close to the store and being close with my grandparents that uh, I think a lot of that rubbed off on me and uh, the community spirit and liking to be involved with your community because you make what your community is. If you don't want to be involved and everyone else doesn't want to be involved, you really don't have much of a community. You just have a bunch of houses where people live and you drive past them. But when you have friends and neighbors and uh, people you can count on and rely on, it's really a nice thing. I think that's something that we're still able to hold on to up here. I was wondering where you went to school living in Coshecton Center. The local school for me was uh, Narrowsburg. It's where the union is now. Uh-huh. It was a very tiny school. We had a total of maybe 320 kids, K through 12. It was a, a unique experience because most people are 
they go to school and they say their classes are 300 kids, mm-hmm. let alone K through 12. And I would assume that you got a lot of attention. If there's only you know, 20 or some odd kids in your class, if you had a problem with a subject, you could get the attention that you needed, which sometimes nowadays, I think, you know, it's hard on on teachers to be able to give that kind of attention to students. Most of the teacher, you knew most of the teachers, you knew most of the students in the entire school. The teachers, they knew you and more than likely they knew your parents too, because they taught them. So they knew you on a student level And they also knew, you know, some of your social aspects, you know, your parents. When you graduated, did you know what you wanted to do? I'll be totally honest with you. I was one of those kids. I just had no idea. I had no idea. And uh, I remember, you know, I've graduated and my father telling me, what are you going to do, Brian? I said, Jesus, I really don't know. And well, he told me what I was doing. He says, I have a job opening where I work and you're going to come to work with me. And where was that? That was in a quarry in uh, Wurtsboro. And I worked there for seven years. And I worked in another quarry for another eight, eight plus years. And uh, matter of fact, I still work in a quarry part time. So I'm going on 20, 21 years just about now Mm. of doing that. It's very hard. It's uh, physical labor, manual labor. It's turning wrenches or running big equipment and trucks, you know, things like that. Not for the week, I guess. (laughs) I guess you don't have to join a gym when you're working in a quarry. (laughs) No, every day going to work was like a gym. (laughs) (laughs) And what was it like working with your father? Um, That was interesting because uh, I always say it could have went... One of two ways. It could have went that, you know, your father is your boss and now I can slack off or your father is your boss and he's going to expect more out of you than everybody else there. And that's how it went for me. He always expected more out of me than anybody else there. And I always tried to give that 110 percent. Do you think that actually made the two of you grow closer? Definitely, for sure. It definitely strengthened our our bond, our father-son bond, and uh, definitely instilled a a strong work ethic Mm -hmm. in me, which I really value. You've certainly got a lot going on, and we'll get to your volunteer work in the second part of the show, but I bet I know what your favorite job is. (laughs) What's that? Your dad, and you have two wonderful daughters. Tell us about them. That's 100% true, Donna. I do have two daughters. They're Maya and Taylor, and uh, they're 12 and 14. And they consume the rest of my time when I'm not working or volunteering. They are just two phenomenal little girls. I couldn't ask for two better better daughters. That's wonderful. Well, Brian, uh, I don't normally do this, but I'm just going to put it out there. I want to talk to the ladies in the audience for just a moment and tell you that this is a really great guy and you can find him on Facebook. I'm just saying. I hope that's okay, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Donna. Now, if I could just add to that, there is another Brian Heinley out there. He's my uncle. So when you're looking looking (laughs) me up, make sure you get find the right Brian Heinley. (laughs) 
right. The younger Brian. <laughs> that is correct. Glad that you made that distinction. Well, I, you know, I just couldn't help myself, Brian. I had to say that. But I think this would be a good time to take a break. So let's take a quick break. And you can compose yourself. And we'll be right back. You've been listening to the Catskill Character on WJFF Radio Catskill. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg, and I'll be right back with my guest, Brian Heinley. So stay tuned. His favorite dogs had a sense of dignity. Theirs was a mutual approbation. Sir Henry was one of these. A Dachshund with Panache, this week on Selected Shorts. Sunday night at 6. When I was a kid, my extended family used to do road trips across the Midwest. Hi, this is Ari Shapiro. Because this was in pre-cell phone days, we had CB radios. I was a kid with dreams of being an actor when I grew up. And so we all had code names on these CB radios. And my code name was Waiter. Because even as a young kid, I knew that being an actor really meant being a waiter. Let your car take one last road trip. Donate it now. Go to WJFFRadio.org. Welcome back to Catskill Character. If you've just joined us, my guest today is Brian Heinley of Kashekin Center. In the first half of the show, we talked about Brian's family, the Heinleys, who have been in Kashekton Center since they came over from Germany in the early 1800s. Brian talked about the Kashekton Center General Store that his family owned and ran until 2006. Brian's family has always felt it was very important to serve the community, and this was instilled in him from an early age. In the second half of the show, we'll be talking about volunteering, specifically what Brian does to fulfill the family credo. Here's more with Brian Heinley. Brian, we've established that it was really a good thing for you and your father to work together. It actually brought you closer. I think you said it was 21 years that you've actually worked the quarries, right? That is correct. Yep. And I still work part-time. Right. You work part-time, but you decided to leave the quarry full-time. What made you decide to leave? Um, It was mainly for family reasons. The quarry work was long hours, most times 12 hours plus a day. And uh, I was offered a job and a position came up with the town of Kashecton Highway Department. It would be less hours and better lifestyle for me and my family. So I opted for that. Let's talk now about volunteering. Do you have a, like a philosophy about volunteering? I, I do kind of like this one slogan. When you find a cause, be the effect. Mm. So I find that pretty interesting. Nah, I share it with the kids occasionally that, uh, you know, you see something wrong or something that needs doing. Well, go ahead and do it. You will be the effect that changes the situation. That's fantastic, Brian. And the first thing that I want to talk about as far as your volunteering is your donating convalescent plasma. This is a wonderful example of giving back, literally. Would you tell the listener how that came about? Well, it came about kind of unfortunate. Uh, I was diagnosed with COVID 
And it was scary for me. A little backstory on that is that I have a rheumatoid arthritis. It's an autoimmune disease. And in order to manage my rheumatoid arthritis, I take immune suppressant medication. So when COVID all first came out and it was plastered all over the news and the media, how horrible it was for people who had compromised immune systems and the elderly, you know, pretty much if you got COVID, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. These are the people that are dying. And I mean, it's all over media, the radio, everything. So you just can't get away from it. And it affected me. Uh, I was scared. So when I did get diagnosed with it, obviously that was frightening, but uh, I pulled through. It took me three weeks to get over. In the end, uh, I did end up with a mild case of pneumonia, but I was fortunate enough to survive. So one day when I was driving, I also heard on the radio that you could donate convalescent plasma with the American Red Cross. And by doing so, you could possibly save three people's lives. I thought that was amazing. So I have uh, donated four times. And uh, I think that is just phenomenal that I could possibly save up to three people's lives by each donation. It's such a, a minute thing in my life to do to change the course of somebody's life, somebody's family. That story really touched me, Brian, I have to tell you. And, and I thought about how your reaction to having had COVID was purely based in gratitude. You, you decided that you wanted to give back, and that's exactly what you did. You've had such physical jobs in your life. I'm kind of surprised that you're able to do that. I, I guess I don't really know that much about rheumatoid arthritis, but I always think of it as kind of a crippling experience when you when you have one of those episodes. Mm-hmm. How, you, how have you been able to work and, and work so physically all these years? I think I have a t- high tolerance for pain. And uh, anyone that knows me will know, like, you know, sometimes my hands and fingers and joints will swell up and Sometimes my feet will hurt and my knees and my hips and ankles and toes. But uh, I've been able to manage it with medication. Um, There is the occasional flare up, but uh, I just power through it. And it's uh, what I got to do. There's no other choice. It's either curl up and be crippled. And uh, when I was diagnosed with it at 28 years old, I was definitely not ready to do it then. And I'm certainly not ready to do it now. Very glad that you survived the COVID experience and that you lived to tell the story and you also lived to be such a powerful influence in the lives of people that you're never going to meet. You're never going to meet those people whose lives you save, but you know they're out there. And that I think that's just a wonderful thing. Let's talk about your the volunteer job you started six years ago, and that was becoming a member of the Lake Huntington Fire Department. Tell the listeners about what you do there. Uh, at the Lake Huntington Fire Department, I'm a volunteer. Um, I'm also a fire commissioner for the fire district there. Mainly, I uh, run the trucks, pump the trucks, and uh, basically that's my job there. I'm very fascinated about how fires are handled out here because I know we have a pond in our backyard, for example, and I was given the impression that when fire trucks, if God forbid our house ever caught on fire, when they got got here, they would be able to use the pond water. Is that true? 
Yes, certainly, because we live in an area without a, a water district. And uh, so there's no hydrants and uh, we use just about any means necessary to to get to water, whether it's ponds, swimming pools, little streams, brooks or the Delaware River. Okay, that makes me feel good. I'm really glad I have my pond. (laughs) You also joined the Volunteer Ambulance Corps. That's in Lake Huntington, too, I believe, right? Yes, yes. And what are your responsibilities there? I'm also a, a driver with the Keshecton Volunteer Ambulance. And uh, basically, I show up to the calls. I drive the ambulance. We get to the call. Um, there's more than to a call than just, you know, being the EMT. A lot of times you have to carry the person out of the house or, you know, maneuver them in such a fashion. There's quite a few hands that are needed. So, I'm there to help out in any means necessary. Have you, have you ever had an experience um, in either one of these occasions um, on the fire department or in the volunteer ambulance corps that sort of sticks in your mind? A lot of times we see people on their, their worst day. So you, you try not to think about all the, the negativity, but I can tell you that uh, one thing I enjoy the most is the holiday parade in Jeff. It's when we decorate the fire truck with all kinds of Christmas lights and we play music. We hand candy out to kids on the side of the road. A really, really nice parade. And uh, we always have a lot of fun there. I I imagine also that being a part of these organizations, it's a real opportunity to form friendships. Yeah, certainly. Um, There's a lot of great men and women in our uh, volunteer fire service and ambulance service. Definitely, if you're looking to get involved, um, you're new to the area, you want to meet people, that's a great way to do it. Look up your local volunteer fire department or your ambulance service. There's all different levels of volunteering. You don't have to be highly trained, or if you want to be highly trained, they'll train you. They'll put you in the right classes and put you where you want to be. But uh, there's all different levels, um, from being a treasurer or secretary or just uh, fire police or, you know, just all different types of stuff. Let's make this a call to action, Brian, and just say to the audience, if you've thought of doing any kind of volunteering in your community, these are some organizations that you might want to think about and just call them up, right? Whatever community you live in. Definitely. These days, it's getting harder and harder to find volunteers because people are, you know, we're busier and busier. Uh, Obviously, everyone drives further for their jobs or not in town or around. Uh, so it's it's getting harder and harder to find volunteers, and uh, our area really thrives on its volunteers because that's all we have. We don't have paid fire services. and You know, where I live, there used to be a, a volunteer fire department and a volunteer ambulance department, and there aren't n- – neither one of those exists anymore because I guess the people that were working, you know, got older and they stopped doing it, and nobody else wanted to do it. So uh, – That's the thing about volunteering. You don't wait for the person next to you to do it. You have to step up and you have to do it. Right. When you find a cause, be the effect. Yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. Brian, I guess we could say that you are a man on the go. And I was wondering, do you ever slow down? Do you take vacations? 
Honestly, I really don't. Just hang out in the backyard, maybe on the weekends. Uh, that's about it. In the wintertime, I like to go skiing with my kids. But other than that, I'm usually pretty busy. I get that. Well, it's been a total pleasure having you on the show. And I'm glad you actually found the time to join me today. And I want to be very transparent and tell the audience that this is actually the second time we've done this interview because yesterday when we did it, we had some problems and you very generously, I, I guess it's just your personality, you generously uh, offered to come back and do it again. So I wanted to thank you so much for that and thank you for all that you do. And I hope you have a wonderful summer with your girls. I certainly will. I will definitely do that. And thank you for having me on your program. I'm honored. Thank you, Brian. This has been Catskill Character. My guest today was the Vice Fire Commissioner of the Keshecton Fire Department, Brian Heinley. Catskill Character is on every Saturday morning at 1130, right after Rosie Star's Farm and Country. I hope you'll tune in again for more conversations with engaging characters of the Catskills, right here in WJFF Radio Catskill. Before I sign off, I'd like to share a little music with you, keeping in the theme of finding ways to contribute in the service of others. Here's some of Thomas Rhett's Be a Light. In a time full of war, be peace. In a time full of doubt, just believe. Yeah, there ain't that much difference between you and me. In a time full of war, be peace. In a world full of hate, be light. When you do somebody That needs change and make a difference. In a time full of noise, just listen. Cause life is but a breeze, better live it. In a place that needs change, make a difference. In a world full of hate, be light. When you do somebody wrong. Ellenberg. Thanks so much for listening and stay safe. When you just see black and white in a world full of hate.
be late. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. TwoQueensCoffee.com. And from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. Hi, it's Francis Lamb, and this week, forget 30-minute meals, it's all about cooking projects. We're talking smoky paellas cooked on the grill, we find out what it's like being a barbecue pitmaster, and why you might want to build an oven. It's cooking that'll change your whole weekend, and maybe your life. That's The Splendid Table, from APM American Public Media. Sunday at noon, on Radio Catskill. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Old School Sessions Annual James Brown Birthday Spectacular. Paying tribute to the father of funk, James Brown, godfather of soul. James Brown Birthday Celebration we do every year. All JB Vinyl production samples and all kinds of other goodies and treats from the Old School Sessions all night long. Tomorrow night on Old School Sessions, baby. Support comes from the Homestead School, Montessori Education, preschool through early college with campuses in Glens Bay and Hurleyville, building the intelligence, creativity, connection, and skills for an ecological future since 1978. Homesteadschool.com. From the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York. Riverreporter.com. And from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Neversink General Store, featuring an award-winning chef, smoked barbecue year-round, local products and catering, now offering takeout, neversinkgeneralstore.com.